0: Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Stories of the New Testament, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner, In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 154 examines Matthew Chapter 19, Part 1, The Eye of a Needle.
1: The Savior's mission is coming to an end. Matthew, Mark, and Luke focused on the life of Jesus, though we all wish we had more. John focused on the doctrine, making him unique of the four Gospels. All parts of the New Testament have their importance, each offering something unique. We need the entire record, beginning with the ancient prophets as well, of course, as the record of the apostles and other disciples. As Christians, though we may have favorites, We cannot pick and choose among what we feel is important and what we feel is unimportant. We need the whole law. In Matthew 4, Christ taught this principle.
0: And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God.
1: Christ had been fasting for a very long time in the desert, and he was both hungry and thirsty. We can easily jump to the conclusion that he is talking only about food, which naturally would be of primary importance. But the wording suggests that bread, or physical nourishment, is not the primary thing he is referring to. Notice the language. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Logically, bread could easily be referring to the word of God. The tempter is quoting scripture, which is a strange thing for Satan to do. But the Savior reminds Satan that we should not just choose the principles of the gospel that are convenient or that are in harmony with our desires or opinions or traditions. For that can lead to our destruction. We must consider every word of Christ every word of his apostles, and every word of his prophets. If we want to be true followers of Christ, we must strive to live the whole law. We often discover that taken out of context, a scripture can be misleading. Often, additional doctrines or revelations or scriptures clarify the meaning so that we see the entire picture. In Second Peter 3, Peter warns us,
0: Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you, and also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever.
1: Amen. Peter admonishes us to be diligent, without spot, and blameless. Paul, in his letters, warned them about resting the scriptures, because that leads to destruction. The Oxford English Dictionary defines rest, W-R-E-S-T, as to subject something to a twisted movement, to turn or to twist. It means that we distort the original meaning and make it fit our philosophy. It is how we get the word to wrestle, which also suggests grapple, struggle, tug, pin down, or force. In addition, still quoting Paul, Peter tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, we must learn the doctrine. Ignorance is a form of slavery. It was also Peter who in 2 Peter 1 said,
0: Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost.
1: As with the rules of logic, the simplest explanation is generally best. The Hebrew language particularly aided us in reading Scripture by connecting related ideas through parallel structure. Parallelism may come through repetition of patterns, repetition of words, or repetition of concepts. The Hebrews did not read Scriptures in isolation. Through parallelism, they were connected over time and place. Only in times of apostasy did they rest the Scriptures, which marked the time that Christ came and lived among them. Until John the Baptist, there had been no prophet in Israel since Malachi, 400 years earlier. Christ spent much of his ministry correcting the errors that had crept into the religion of the Jews. It was for that reason that they crucified him. As Christians, we must guard against rest in the scriptures. We must grow in knowledge. We find just such an issue in the beginning of Matthew 19.
0: And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause?
1: Christ teaches them of the sacredness of the marriage covenant and the eternal nature of marriage.
0: And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder.
1: Peter reminds us of the marriage of Adam and Eve as recorded in Genesis.
0: And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an helpmeet for him. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed.
1: Naturally, the Pharisees appeal to the law of Moses.
0: They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away?
1: The Savior often spoke sharply to the Pharisees and the Sadducees.
0: He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so.
1: Christ is obviously referring to the eternal marriage between Adam and Eve. It was eternal because they were married by God, and everything he does is eternal. He intended for that to be the model for the entire human race. That is one of the reasons he gave the following priesthood authority to the apostles. Remember in Matthew 18,
0: Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven.
1: That would include the marriage covenant. One of the most moving passages is the Savior's love for and reverence to little children. Christ makes it abundantly clear that all little children are saved in the kingdom of God. That should be great comfort to every mother and father who have lost a little child or baby. To think that little children are not automatically saved is to diminish the power of the atonement.
0: Then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them, and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed thence.
1: Does he not include little children when he says in Luke 5?
0: But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance.
1: Was he not talking about little children and even others who for no fault of their own are incapable of comprehending the teachings of Christ? Are they not whole? Are they not righteous? Are they not automatically covered under the mercy and grace of Christ? We all know when we are in the presence of innocence. If we who are imperfect recognize the innocence of children and the innocence of those who from disabilities are like children, doesn't it seem logical that Christ who is perfect would have perfect knowledge of those who are innocent? Why would he have said, of such is the kingdom of heaven? It is clear that the stories in the Bible were selected, perhaps from thousands of other examples, For the specific message they have, the following is a good example.
0: And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which?
1: It is no surprise that Christ first mentions the Ten Commandments.
0: Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself.
1: Clearly, being a devout Jew from his youth, the rich man would have known the commandments. His answer is not surprising.
0: The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet?
1: The Ten Commandments are the foundation of all commandments. They are the fundamental laws of the gospel that are expected of all of us. But the young man wanted more. He asked, What lack I yet?
0: Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me.
1: Obviously, the young man had great wealth. He was not prepared for the answer. He was not prepared to become a disciple of Christ. He was not prepared to give his all to Christ.
0: But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions.
1: Christ had taught this principle many times. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said,
0: Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon.
1: It is clear that this young man was to be set apart and to become a disciple of Christ. However, the young man failed the greatest test of his life.
0: Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God.
1: The image conjures up something that is almost impossible to do. Using the literary sense of hyperbole, Christ is emphasizing how very difficult it is for those who are wealthy to not put their trust in their wealth. But of course, it can be done, as many wealthy people have proven. Still, if we broaden the metaphor, it could refer to any temporal source that stands between us and God, particularly that which would require enormous sacrifice. In fact, his disciples, astonished, asked the following.
0: When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved?
1: That allows Christ to answer one of the greatest questions of the atonement, Who can be saved? And it is this, since no one can be perfect, just as no camel can thread the eye of a needle, how can anyone be saved? Well, the answer is, of themselves they cannot. A camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. A rich man cannot sacrifice his wealth. An addict cannot overcome his addiction, and so on. That is to say, they cannot do it alone. But with Christ, the impossible can be achieved.
0: But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible.
1: And that is the lesson that we must all learn. We cannot save ourselves because we cannot live perfect lives. We cannot perfectly satisfy the law of justice. But that is the message of Christ. He can. He suffered, and He died for us. He paid the price for our sins, and in return, He only asked that we keep His commandments. That's why we're not supposed to rest the Scriptures, and that is why we must learn the doctrine. The law of justice, which demands perfection, is beyond our reach. But the law of mercy, which allows us to repent, is available for everyone. That brings us back to what He taught earlier. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, though we cannot be perfect, as Peter says, we must be diligent. Diligence is the key, isn't it? If we can do all that we can do, Christ will do the rest. Like the widow's might, that places salvation in the reach of all of us. In answer to the apostle's question, who then can be saved? Christ's answer is that everyone can be saved if they strive to do what I say. Christ then specifically answers Peter's questions about the service of the twelve apostles, reminding them that they will judge the twelve tribes of Israel.
0: Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all, and followed thee, what shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, in the regeneration which the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel.
1: Then Christ addresses all of his followers.
0: And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first.
1: The twelve apostles were required to give 100% of their time to the ministry. Many were even required to give their lives. For most of us, that is not required. But we are all disciples of Christ, and we are all asked to sacrifice, but in a different way than giving ourselves full time to the ministry. The story of the rich man is the story of almost all of us, though for most of us, it may not be riches that we must give up. It may be bad habits. It may be personal weaknesses. It may be breaking the Sabbath day. It may be that we put personal pleasure and personal desires ahead of Christ. Remember, in the story of the rich young man, he kept the Ten Commandments from his youth, but he was expected to do more. He was expected to turn away from the absorption of his wealth and to serve others, to lose himself in the service of Christ, that is, if he wanted to live the higher law.